Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Andy Murray, and you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Well, hello, welcome to the Tennis Podcast, brought to you in association with The Telegraph and with Eurosport, the rights holders for television in the UK, Catherine Whittaker, representing Eurosport. And how about this, Catherine Whittaker? We are backstage at Eurosport right now. Look at this. Mats Verlander's over there. Look, there he is. Can you see him? I've smuggled you in, David. I've smuggled you into the Eurosport green room. Yeah, Mats Verlander's opposite of us, Henri Leconte's over there, the great and the good of Eurosport. They're all here. I know, absolutely. And what a day we have had here at the tennis today. Day five of the Australian Open. Where do we start? Where on earth do we start? Andy Murray just breezed through to the next round, didn't he? You remember that? About four hours ago? Six hours ago? Something like that? And, uh, but, but more important things happen than that. Tell us about it. I, I, I suspect from a Solly Hole uh, point of view, what you're referring to is a certain Mr. Dan Evans, who was utterly mesmerising today. When he plays the sort of tennis he plays today, there is nobody, brackets, apart from Roger Federer, who we'll come on to later, that is better to watch on a tennis court. Really? In the whole world? I don't know, maybe Gail Monfils. I mean, that is the most watchable tennis. Federer aside, and, and as I say, we'll talk about that in great detail later, but... Who doesn't want to watch that the kind of tennis that Dan Evans plays? He, the way he plays the big points, the way he plays break points and set points and match points is, I mean, any tennis player could learn from that. I mean, okay, it's, I asked him about it after the match and about how aggressive and gutsy and how how can you be most brave when there's most on the line? And he said, I can't do it any other way. Like, it, it, I would lose if I did it any other way. It's all I know, it's all I can do. I have to do it that way. Which I think is perhaps not giving himself enough credit because, yeah, he, that was the, the most watchable tennis. He's so watchable. You know, Mark Petchy said his serve was Federer-like in commentary because of the way he bends his back. And what's not to like about watching somebody, what is he, five foot seven, five foot eight? He's five, at least five, nine, Catherine. How you do him at service? <laughs> I do. Crikey. Um, well, yeah, 5'9". I mean, he's still giving nearly a foot away to some of these guys, watching him intimidate them 
with his aggressiveness, with his positivity and bravery, is amazing. Bernard Tomic said he played well tonight. He, in his press conference, he said, look, I, I'm quite happy with my performance today. He lost in straight sets. I mean, that's how well Dan Evans played. He's through to the last 16 of the Australian Open for the first time in his career. We'll be hearing from, from Dan Evans very shortly. We'll be hearing from Leon Smith, the Great Britain Davis Cup captain here on the Tennis Podcast. We'll also, later on in the show, we're going to hear from Carlos Moya. Can't believe it. We've only got a one-on-one with Carlos Moya. Ten minutes with him, talking all about Rafael Nadal. That is coming up. But Evans, just to, just to talk about the actual match, I mean, he was keyed up, psyched up from the very first ball. I mean, he... And I think this is a problem for Tomic. I think he, if he's going to make any further strides in his career, he's going to have to find a way to go with the intensity of an opponent because they play very similarly. Yet there was one fella who looked like he had been chained up eating raw meat all day and, frankly, Bernard Tomic looked like he'd been sitting in a hammock. Yeah, well, I sprinted over to the High Sense Arena, which is a, f- a fair distance away from the rest of the complex here uh, at Melbourne Park. Uh, at about, I think it was at four all in the what turned out to be the last set, the third set, because uh, I was doing the the flash interview, the the on court interview with uh, with Dan Evans, and I walked into the, the media centre uh, at High Sense Arena. There's sort of a mini media centre over there, the main ones, obviously at Rod Laver Arena. And I sat down, the on-court announcer was there, an Aussie guy and uh, a, 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 a media person, and a couple of other people. And one of them said, and they were all they were all Aussie, and they were all cheering for Dan Evans. And I said, do, do you guys, you know, are you, are you secret Solihull residents or something? There's a bit of Solihull and in everyone, And one I think. of them said, and I think he spoke for all of them, he said, well, one guy on this court's got heart, and the other one doesn't. Or if he does, he's certainly not showing it. Oh, that's cutting, isn't it? But, uh, you know, actually, in commentary, we were commentating on it at Five Live Sports Extra, and I did feel as though the... The, the crowd w- was struggling to come to terms with Tommy because you can see that there's just a, a disconnect between the crowd and Bernard Tommy. It doesn't really work. It doesn't mesh. Evans is a much more Australian-type character. Absolutely. He's a terrier, isn't he? Uh, and I don't think it helps when his box are, sc- are screaming at, at, at Dan, give him hell. You know, it's what I asked him about it in... Uh, I think that was Mats Verlander chanting the name of Dan Evans. Is that what that was? Yeah. Where was that? Where was that? <laughs> Perhaps not. Um, I love Dan Evans. You love Dan Evans? Uh, I think we better just get your opinion very quickly. Mats Verlander on Dan Evans, because, uh, you know, it's not every day we get to speak to royalty like Mats Verlander. What is your v- view of, uh, of uh, Dan Evans? I think Dan Evans is, is such a breath of fresh air when he plays tennis because he's really involved. He has a great-looking game. He's a, kind of a sh- shortish guy compared to the big guys on tour, but he plays with a lot of power. He can serve up over 200 kilometers an hour. He's got one-handed backhand, and his story is like it's there's something special because where has he been? And suddenly comes out, and you're like, wow, this guy can really, really play. And he's got a really good attitude, and he's engaged, and he's enthusiastic, and the crowd loves him. So, I, yeah, he's a breath of fresh air. He makes you care, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. He does. Makes you, he really makes you care. And he wears his emotions on his sleeve. He gets the crowd involved, and he seems to be a nice guy at the end of it. And the interview was very nice about Bernard Tomic's game. So, but... 
but not overly nice in a way. You know, he's a competitor. And yeah, attitude, really good. He's got the thumbs up from Mats Verlander, seven-time Grand Slam champion. How about that? Well, Dan Evans went straight into press conference afterwards. And, uh, I mean, he gave a wonderful press conference. We'll, we'll play that for you, some of that for you right now. He talked about, obviously, the match and the situation, everything he'd been going through. He also made reference to Julian Hoffelein, uh, a coach of his over the last couple of years who very sadly passed away about 18 months ago. Re- really sad news. Somebody Dan was very close to. Dan blew a kiss to the sky after the match point today in obvious tribute and affection towards Julian. And this is Dan Evans in his post-match press conference. It was a goal to, to make the fourth round of a slam this year. Um, yeah, it's, it's satisfying. But I'll, you know, I'm not looking, looking back yet. We've got um, another match on Sunday, I think it is. We'll um, see what happens then. And then after the tournament, look back, it's been... A, Whatever happens, it's been a great tournament, but you know there's still still some tennis to be played. Was there a reason why you pointed at the sky at the end of the match? Yeah, obviously you guys know Jules. There's been a lot on Twitter about Jules this week, so quite a lot of people have reminded me about Jules this week. And uh, yeah, you know he wrote that article at the end, which he obviously wasn't that complimentary about me. Which he, I think he said it was an interlude into my life, tennis. So. Uh, an interlude in my life and you know at the time he was probably right and yeah I guess when you get a bit older you look back at those sort of things and it's just I just think it's a bit of a shame that he, he I'm sure he sees it from somewhere but just not not on the right side you know did you use that the fact that you knew it wasn't just an interlude did you kind of want to prove that somehow yeah when when he passed away it was you know I I sort of knew Jules was going to pass away. He sent a video to to us at Davis Cup in Belgium, and we wasn't allowed to go see him because he was he was so sick. And like, I would never want anyone to see that video. I mean, it was it was harrowing. He knew he was going to die. He he pretty much knew. So yeah, it's um, yeah, you know, it's one of those things, isn't it? And just that was probably not the main thing of when I started to you know I was getting myself together before that before he died but when he when he died a lot of people said who were close to Jules you know I never got to see Jules again after he left the LTA pretty much I've seen him a few times with Maria but once he got sick he got sick pretty quick so his family didn't want anyone or the doctors didn't want anyone to see him so I sort of just you know took it you know those things sort of hit you and yeah I mean yeah, still, it's just not not an easy thing, you know. When you spent some of those years, I spent pretty much every day of my life with him, pretty pretty much, work day in day out of my working life. So yeah, it's yeah, it's difficult, but you know, I just you know, obviously, I've got hilts now, but to, for, it would it would also be good if Jaws was in, in the box. Yeah. Um, he didn't want me to have a picture with him. That was it. He was, uh, I think he was worse for wear, I guess. Well, that was his excuse when he replied. But it's, it's quite funny, isn't it, how things work out? I actually... He was my favourite cricketer until that point, genuinely was. But there was some serious rage for about 20 minutes in that, when, I was, when I was after that happened. There was some serious rage. Yeah, it was... 
It was a bad moment, that was. It was so embarrassing as well. He didn't even just say, like... He didn't just say, no, he, like, handed me off as well, which I was nowhere near him either, so that was... Oh, God. Yeah, it was really embarrassing as well. Around the roulette table or something? No, no, no. It was like... I would understand if he was playing a game or something. I wasn't in the casino. I was, like, coming out of a restaurant and he was walking down the hall. And, yeah, I mean... He wasn't even like getting hassled or anything. He was just with three friends. It was like no one, no one round him. I'd get it if everyone was asking him. But yeah, it's amazing. But I heard not. Yeah, I heard that's not not such a surprise to some people. Maybe you'd know, Mike. I haven't seen him for a while. <laughs> oh my god! Sit on the fence, mate. <laughs> Jeez. So there's. Dan Evans, Catherine, we had everything. We had emotion, we had uh, analysis of, of the match, and we had uh, the wonderful little tale about Kevin Peters and the cricketer. So I can't wait for his ride to reply. Uh, you, I mean, you, you've had a sort of, um, I don't want to say a love-hate relationship with, with Dan Evans, but, but he's, he's not the easiest interviewee on the planet, is he? Let's be honest. I mean, I, I find him quite good fun to interview, as long as you're not trying to get straightforward sound bites out of him. It's, it's a bit of an effort for you, for you sometimes to, to get what you need for TV and that sort of thing. But he's warming up, as you heard there. I mean, he, the, the, there is more to him. Yeah, look, all the things that make him not a, a, a particularly brilliant television interviewee make, make me like him. They're, they're all likeable qualities. You know, he's himself. He's not a natural in front of the camera. He's not a performing monkey. You know, he, he doesn't see a camera red light switch on and suddenly become this different person that's all camera friendly and everything they make me like him as a human being it's just it just makes him a challenging interviewee you know he's obviously not 100% comfortable in front of the camera and that's not fine that that's fine lots of people aren't you know not everybody can be Roger Federer who's able to be 100% himself and also 100% comfortable in all situations it's fine it's it's just um it's a challenge for, for someone like me who's not from Solihull, who can't, you know, give him crap about being a Villa fan. <laughs> I can't do that. So, yeah, to sort of... Especially not as a Reading soft, fan. To soften him, exactly. Soften him up, warm him up. It, it, it takes a bit, you know, challenge is good. Challenge is good. And to be fair, he gave me a cracking flash interview today. To, you know, I, I threw him... I threw him quite an edgy question about uh, Bernard Tomic's dad uh, refusing Dan Evans' uh, uh, as a practice partner because he's not good enough. And Dan, in a very measured way, dealt with that. He said there's no beef with Bernie at all. He doesn't understand it all because Bernie seems absolutely fine with him, but his dad's always given him aggro and during the match he was giving him aggro you know he was, he was saying actually in the press conference he was he was keen to make out it wasn't his dad but it was other guys in the box that were giving him a really hard time and uh, and he wasn't too too pleased with that but but you're right now he's got joe wilfred songer next in the last 16 of the australian open let's find out what leon smith the great britain davis cup captain has made of it all it was a very very brave performance um look he, he's he started the year great final in Sydney, a top 10 win against uh, Dominic Team, and then he obviously beats Marin Cilic. Momentum's really with him. He's, he, you can tell the confidence there, but he had to fight really hard today. He covered a lot of ground. He had to do a lot of running. Tomic plays really close to the baseline. Um, 
but when he had to fight he just kept doing it and, but then there was also important that he played the big points really well he went after the ball he was aggressive with his forehand up the line and I thought his net play today was absolutely outstanding not many people play well we saw Federer do it tonight we saw Dan Evans do it earlier his net play was absolutely fantastic um, you know and, and also to play Tomich you know in his own backyard on a crowd that got a little bit more hostile as the match went on I thought he handled it terrifically well. It's a wonderful, wonderful performance. Big step for him, isn't it? Because he's been at this stage three more times before and he's become he's come very close to getting to the fourth round. First time he's made it. Yeah, the matches against Robredo, US Open a few years ago and then uh, obviously the match against Vavrinka when he had match points uh, last year. You know, he but he keeps showing that he can play with the big boys. He keeps showing that he's able. I mean, wins against Team and Chile's like I say already this year. It it just shows him where he's at, and uh, you know he'll have a career high ranking when this is finished. And you know it's a great start to the year, and, but it just rubber stamps why he's doing the hard work, why he's doing what he's doing with his team of Mark Hilton and his trainer Ash back home, and you know it 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 makes it worthwhile when things start to come together. And the good thing is, he's just getting better. How do you rate his chances against Songa? Uh, Jeremy Bates said he doesn't think Songa will particularly enjoy Dan's style of play. Yeah, look, Joe Wilfred Songa is a very good tennis player uh, with serious firepower, plays well in these courts, uh, has a good record here, so it's going to be a difficult match. But Dan's, like I say, I'm going to say it again, he's beaten Team, he's beaten Chilich, he's beaten Tomic. Can he beat Songa? Yeah. He's going to have to play very well again, um, but his game style, where he can, you know, use a slice, come forwards a lot. He should try and come in on obviously on Songa's backhand quite a lot, force him into passing shots, um, try and hustle like he does really well, get as many first serve returns back in play as possible. Um, but as usual, he's going to have to serve well and, and take care of his service games. But he's got the game and, and he's got the confidence. And the one thing about Dan is that it doesn't matter who he goes on court with. He does believe he's got a shot winning, and that's really important. I think Leon Smith thinks Dan Evans has got a chance. Oh, he's in the last 16 of a slam. He has more than a chance. He's the heavy underdog, but he has a significant chance. He has a chance. How how could he not have a chance in that match? Tell you what, Songa looked good today, by the way. He he beat Jack Sock, and, you know... Favourite tweet of the day, unquestionably, we've all just been looking at it, by Mike Dixon of the Daily Mail, which was that Solly Hall has more representatives in the men's last 16 than the United States of America, which I thought was magnificent. Sorry to all of our listeners from the United States, but I am from Solly Hall. It is my podcast with Catherine, and, you know, (laughs) I get to tease you all. Uh, So, Jack Sock, who... A lot has been spoken about, and he's been playing really well. He won Auckland, but Songa was really good today. So that's one of the results that we've had today. But kind of in terms of just sheer performance levels, the one that we're all talking about, the reason we're all having a beer now is because we've just watched Roger Federer do what I think some of us fear in a way that he wouldn't have been able to do again, you know? Really? I mean, I, I, I'm not sh- not too sure that there are too many people at this tournament that thought tonight and his 6-2, 6-4, 6-4 demolition of Thomas Burdick was, ev- was, was possible at the age of 35, particularly after the first two rounds. It was utterly heartwarming and uplifting. I mean, I genuinely, I genuinely think some of this, this spontaneous merriment that we're experiencing 
in this green room at the moment is genuinely down to, to to how good everybody feels watching Federer play like that and knowing we have to make the most of it while we can. I mean, it's almost now, whatever happens, we've enjoyed another... We've always got tonight. <laughs> exactly, exactly, it's exactly that. I mean, it's... I mean, it wasn't as good a performance as in the semi-final of Wimbledon against Andy Murray a couple of years ago. But in context, it was exactly like that. It was a take your breath away, my goodness me, let's just stand back, stand back and enjoy Roger Federer in our sport. Yeah, because, I mean, he made, he made a world-class player in Thomas Burdick look ordinary. Thomas Burdick is not ordinary, and, and that's what he was made to look out there today. Well, I spoke to Goran Ivanovic this morning. He'd just come off the practice court with Thomas Burdick, and he was... I was a bit nervous about it, because Goran, as good of a relationship as I have with him, he, you know, well, there's two Gorans, isn't there? Famously. Three, arguably. Three, yeah, famously. You just don't know what you're going to get. And he was delightful as anything, completely up for being interviewed, so relaxed about it all. And on the, the question of, you know, what have you made of Federer's two matches so far in this tournament, his answer was... I'm not impressed by Federer. <laughs> <laughs> yes, magnificent Goran. Well, not so worry, eh? Nearly worked out. <laughs> Better luck next time. But uh, there was, I should say there was more to it than that. There was. He went on to say, but he's still Roger Federer, and he can still pull it. You know, there, there, well, you know, there was mitigation. The I don't want to make him look a fool. Jim but. Courier said. I mean, and Jim Courier reads tennis players just about as well as anybody he was concerned for Federer tonight before the match and he actually said you know I, I'm, I think I see even a little bit of fear or a little bit of trepidation in the eyes of, of Federer as he went out onto the court I mean you know we've all said stuff like that um, but it's um, it, it was extraordinary to watch the moment that you realise he hit a couple out the middle and you're thinking crikey he's on it tonight and the, the one that came back to me, actually, as a, as a comparison performance was 2009 against one Martin Del Potro in the Australian Open semi-finals, And he said the day before, he'd found out that his wife was going to have twins. And he said it gave him wings. And, uh, and, and, he, and I think he beat Del Potro 6-3, 6-love, 6-love. You know, I mean, later that year, he lost the US Open final to him. But he, he had that feel tonight, that otherworldly feel about his performance. And... Um, yeah, no, it was a, it was a joy to behold. Yeah, I mean, but he's got Kane Nishikori now. Kane Nishikori's in form. He just won in straight sets. Yeah, that will be a different prospect. I think. I think he'll need to play as well as that to have a good chance against Kane Nishikori. I'm still predicting he'll win it because I'm I'm in a. I'm, we're, we're all riding the uh, swooning the Federer joy wave to the extent that we're probably unable to be completely <laughs> objective. But um, it's interesting that the conditions. I was talking to my brother yesterday about the conditions, these new balls this year. I don't want to harp on about it, but I think it is more of a significant factor than than people like us who like to talk about. You know, the stories and everything. The the big narratives, you know, it's all very technical to talk about balls and, and court speeds and everything. I do think it's a factor, a big factor at this tournament this year. And uh, I was talking to my brother about it, who probably is a better technical analyst of the game than I am. And he said he thinks this might be a surprise winner year. He said, 
you know the, the these sorts of conditions the fact that you know the likes of Andy Murray are, are finding them very difficult to deal with it favours a sort of compact high percentage player like Kane Shikori perhaps but, Ooh, but obviously Federer is going to win it, so it's all fine. Yeah, he's a bit of a Federer fan. Uh, a bit is a slight understatement. Um, so that is what we've had today on the on the men's side. We've also had, I'll tell you what, unfortunately she she doesn't get the same degree of mention in this conversation. I think a lot of it is because we, we were certainly on Five Live so wrapped up in the Dan Evans match that we... I was only able to kind of watch Venus Williams out of the corner of my eye. But she, at the age of 36, won, I think, 6-love, six 6-1. Six I mean, she was awesome, and she has been for a couple of rounds now. 6-love, six 6-1. Six it was 6-love, six 6-1. Six it was amazing. At one point, it was looking like 6-love, six 6-love. Six um, yeah, she, I love that here they pay her the respect she deserves. She never gets put anywhere other than Margaret Court or Rod Laverina. They don't even do that in New York. At Wimbledon, I think they are borderline disrespectful with their treatment of her. I mean, I understand all the considerations and I understand that she's not been a Grand Slam champion for a number of years and and all of that, but she deserves always, I think, to be on, on one of the two possibly three main courts but we shouldn't ever be seeing her on an outside court I don't think no I couldn't agree more and it's a major beef of mine actually that one um, what else we had I mean early on in the day there were some incredibly competitive matches Eugenie Bouchard and Coco Vandeweghe were knocking lumps out of each other and eventually Vandeweghe turned around a, a break deficit in the final set to win through we also had uh, one of the longest matches this tournament's ever seen in the women's draw. Three hours and 36 minutes, I think, for uh, Svetlana Kuznetsova to beat Yelena Jankovic. And, uh, and there was also Pavlichenko who beat Svitolina. Lots going on. I th- think Svetlana Kuznetsova might have been involved in every single one of the longest matches of all time at every tournament. All the longest matches records, tournament-specific, you know, all-time records. I think her name might be included in all of them. A bit greedy, really. Yeah, she loves a battle, doesn't she? Is she is a fighter. Yeah, God, she's great. I mean, I think she holds the record for all-time longest Australian Open match and Grand Slam match for a match with Schiavone a few years ago. And it had echoes of that. You know, Jankovic was leading uh, by a break in that deciding set. And and I don't think there was anybody that thought that Kuznetsova wasn't going to break back and at least take it to 9-7. I think I was saying it was going to be 10-8 and I was annoyed it was 9-7. In the oh, well, not to worry. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. This edition of the Tennis Podcast is sponsored by Tennis Channel and Tennis Channel Plus is the place to watch the French Open. They've got every court live and you can watch on your phone or on your smart TV in HD. 
Sounds great. There's genuinely nothing I like more than watching multiple courts with matches everywhere. And can I just sit and watch court shows in Longland all day? You sure can, David. Wherever the stories are, the rivalries emerge and the generations clash, you can watch it all with daily live coverage beginning on Monday, May the 20th. Be there when it happens by subscribing to Tennis Channel Plus to stream daily coverage of Roland Garros. Use promo code TENNISPOD20 for 20% off your annual subscription. What's going to happen tomorrow? Have we got an order of play for tomorrow? Because... uh, it is all going to happen uh, once again on day six, which is going to be... Is it the start of the last 16 tomorrow? I can't, I can't remember, is it? No, it's not. It's the, the rest of the third round matches, isn't it? Because Andy Murray's, of course, in the top half of the draw. And then we've got uh, uh, Dan Evans in that half of the draw and Roger Federer. So Federer and Murray now are just one match away from meeting, aren't they? I've, 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 got a, I've sort of got a photographic memory going on for the uh, for the order of play. Well, I know uh, Joe Con- Conte against Caroline Wozniacki is third up on the Margaret Court Arena. We've got Monfils and Kohlschreiber on that court as well. Uh, on Rod Laver, the men's evening match is Gasquet and Dimitrov, which I find very interesting because every time I look at that matchup, I think, oh, what a cork, and that's got five sets or three sets if it's a tour match written all over it. And then I check their head-to-head and I realise Gasquet just has an incredible record against Dimitrov, and I think, why is that so is it going to change uh, put me on the spot maybe yes it is I say well it's fine you've you've got gotten off the fence for me thanks there we go yeah absolutely Uh, (laughs) Nadal Zverev is the one can I backtrack on my prediction what have you got well before the tournament I had Zverev no you can't backtrack what I think now will happen is that Nadal will be pushed and will win. I've been very impressed with Nadal. I've been saying Nadal all along, <laughs> see? I mean, some of us just come on record at the outset. There's also there's Sybil Kova, uh, Makarova, which I like the look of, winner to play the winner of Conta and Wozniacki, and there's Serena Williams against Nicole Gibbs, and I think we all have strong suspicions about how that will go. Probably, yes. Uh, I can't wait. <laughs> it's all coming up tomorrow. Subject of Nadal. How about this? I got to spend 10 minutes in the company of former world number one, Carlos Moya, who at the end of last year joined the coaching team of Rafael Nadal. And I asked Carlos how it all came about. Well, I got a phone call from Tony uh, when I was uh, at the IPTL playing and he knew that I was not going to be in Ranik's team anymore. So he asked me if I wanted to join the uh, their team and also to work for the academy uh, that they just opened uh, half year ago. So, so yeah, after I wanted to sp- to speak to Rafa to see how how he's feeling, what uh, what his goals are, and 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 then uh, I decided to to join them. And what were his goals? Well, I wanted to see how uh, eager he is to be back at the top, where I think he still belongs. And for some reasons, he was not able to to compete at 100% for the last couple of years so uh, yeah, he told me that he's working very hard and that he, he really wants to be back there so so yeah, uh, also for me it's uh, an honour to, to be in his team we know each other for a long time and uh, I decided to join him It's something that I noticed from his uh, pre-tournament press conference, one of the last answers he said was, look, if I didn't want to do what I've been doing for the last 10 years and compete at that level 
I'd go and play golf or be fishing. You know, so that was a pretty clear statement of of how much he wants it. And I imagine, as you say, when you are going to invest your time, you need to know that it's going to be worthwhile. And you obviously got the right answers. Yeah, of course, because I have three kids back home, so it's not easy for me to to travel. So uh, yeah, that, that's uh, what made me join them. I, I saw uh, well what he said at the press conference is what he, he told me. Uh, so, so yeah, he's, uh, he proved me uh, that he that he's right. He uh, he's been practicing very hard. He's been taking care of his body. He's healthy. He's uh, taking care of uh, everything. He's doing uh, whatever is in his hand to try to become uh, at the. I mean, to be back at the top. So, so yeah, I'm here to help. Uh, we we are a good team with Tony and Francis and the rest of the team. So, hopefully, we're gonna help him. You. you- Obviously, you've known him since he was a young, a young boy, and you played him. I remember early on, in, in, in very early on in his career, you've been friends with him for many, many years, and you'll have seen when you were coaching Milos last year. You'll have watched his matches, seen, seen, I guess, his struggles. What, what, what were your senses of what you saw? What, what has he been struggling with over the last couple of years? Well, I watched not all his matches because, uh, well, obviously he was on, of, he was one of uh, Milos's uh, opponent. But uh, I saw that because of the injuries, he was not able to perform at his best. Uh, once he was playing well after he won Barcelona and Monte Carlo, he got injured and he was playing really well. So he was very unlucky to miss Roland Garros uh, and then also to miss uh, Wimbledon and, and Toronto. He was back for the Olympics, but I don't think he was quite ready for it and, and then uh, still had the problem with the, with the wrist by the end of the year. So that's why he didn't play the indoor season. Uh, he wanted to get ready for it. So for this year. So so yeah, it was uh, about being injured. So one of the keys for this year, I would say, uh, he needs to be healthy in order to be able to to be back at his level. And so far, he's uh, taking care of his body. He's doing, a, like I said before, whatever is in in his hands to to try to. Uh, be healthy and to be 100%. Yeah, I asked him in the press conference, are you pain-free, Rafa? He said, look, I haven't got any injuries, but pain-free was a long time ago. (laughs) Obviously, he's a bit older now. But where do you think, I mean, you obviously saw him when he was at the absolute peak of his powers. How, How far away is he from that now? If he's healthy, is he still that good? Yeah, of course, he's not that far away. You have to see how are the other guys doing, like... Moray number one uh, at 29, uh, Djokovic uh, is 29. They are just one year younger than him. Uh, they're young, young players. They are, I don't think they are ready yet to to be one of the top five in the world. Uh, so maybe in a couple of years. So he has time. He uh, obviously he, he's not 20 years old anymore, but uh, uh, he still has it on him. And, and I'm sure he's, if, if he's healthy, like we we've been talking before, uh, he's not that far. He's uh, uh, now he needs uh, matches. He needs to win a few matches to to get his confidence back. He's uh, uh, halfway to do that. Uh, practicing, he's playing very well. But now you need this extra 10, 20 percent that uh, only matches can give you. So yeah, we need to to win a couple of matches, and and I think he'll be very close to to his peak. And what do you think so far? And looking forward, you are going to be able to bring. Is there is there something you've already identified that I'd like to see you do this raffle or that raffle? Yeah, we we're working on a few different things. Obviously, obviously, you cannot change uh, a lot. A guy that has won 14 Grand Slams and he's 30 years old, but there is always uh, room for evolution, and and that's what we think as a team. What that he needs to keep evolving, to 
being more aggressive to try to put more pressure with his serve and, and once he is dictating try to finish a point uh, or at the net or, or being aggressive with the forehand so uh, we're trying to uh, to do that we're working very hard on that but like I said now you need matches to uh, to give this uh, 10-20% of confidence that he's lacking still I, I heard Andy Murray say a couple of days ago that now he's world number one he likes having Ivan Lendl with him because he has somebody who's been number one to talk about how to stay number one. And obviously, there's only a few people in the world that's ever yeah. experienced that. You've been number one. Mm-hmm. You've been a Grand Slam champion. Do you, do you think that that's part of, of, of the, the appeal to Rafa, to, to have you with him? Well, I think it's a bit different with Rafa. Uh, Rafa has been number one for, I don't know, three, four years. He's won 14 slams, so... Uh, I wouldn't say it's the same case. Uh, it's like uh, with Milos, also was different. Uh, he was on his way up, uh, still uh, improving, and, and didn't reach the, the his top. So, so it's different with Rafa. Obviously, he's 30 years old. Uh, like I said, he's won uh, all the slams that he that he's won in the past. So, uh, probably he needs someone new, which is uh, not unknown for him. Uh, we are very close since uh, 20 years. So. Uh, uh, he knows that uh, I want the best for him. That, that's very important for Rafa. Rafa needs to have people that he really trusts, and, and that's how how he performs uh, his best. He's been with uh, Tony, with Francis, with uh, Maimo for so many years. So he needs someone that is going to be close to him. And, and uh, but my case is different uh, with Nadal. Uh, it's different than than Andy's case for sure. We've had a huge shock at this tournament with Novak Djokovic, who's won it six times, going out at the second round stage. Obviously, you know that would only become relevant to Rafa if he were to reach the semi-finals, because that was his projected uh, opponent uh, if he'd have got further along in the tournament. But what what does that? How big a shock is that to you to see Novak lose that early? Well, it's uh, <laughs> shocking, obviously, to uh, to see that Novak lost second round, and uh, we want to go uh, match by match. Obviously, uh, that's for sure going to put some extra pressure on on all the players from the bottom half. But uh, you try, you have to try to forget that. Try to play your next match, not uh, three matches. Uh, <laughs> ahead of you so uh, we're going to be just focusing on that and that obviously is a big shock to, to see that Novak lost to, to Istomin Just a final point you know when you were at the top of the game and obviously you're there to be shot at in a way everybody's hunting you Novak has, has been dominant for so long and then the last six months he, he hasn't been at the same level I mean what is it like trying once you've once you're defending a title like you were with the yeah. French Open or you're defending your world number one ranking? Is it is it a little bit more stressful in a way? Yeah, for sure. Uh, there's a lot of stress, and these guys that they're used to win every week and always uh, on the top of the rankings. So everybody trying to uh, chase them, and that, that's not easy. That puts some extra pressure and. Uh, as soon as they their level drops uh, 0.1%, uh, you can feel it, and all the other players trying to to improve, trying to see how you play, and trying to trying to find uh, your weaknesses. So uh, it's not easy. Uh, still, uh, it's great what what Novak has been doing for the last few years. He's been dominating the game uh, in an unbelievable way. So. I wouldn't say he's done at all. He, for sure, he will be back uh, stronger than ever in the next few months. He's going to work hard on his tennis, and, and I'm sure he still has a few slams in him. 
Lovely to talk to you, Carlos. All right. Best of luck. Thank you. Thank you. So, Carlos Moyer and uh, Rafael Nadal, Catherine, what do we think? Is that going to be a difference maker for Nadal? Is that going to bring him back to his, his greatness? Is he going to win big and get to a Grand Slam final again under Carlos Moyer? Based on what we've heard there. I mean, you know, he sounded pretty convincing to me. He's really put thought into that rather than just sort of saying, well, of course I'll do what Nadal wants because he's Nadal. He wanted to know, are you really going to sacrifice and, and be, be up for doing what's, what it takes? I'm already quite convinced. Um, look, I think it's already a successful partnership. I already see something in Nadal that I wasn't seeing last year. I think we discussed it at the time of the appointment, just the fact of somebody else being in that team, which there never really has been before, just the fact of a different voice, almost no matter what that voice is saying, the fact that that voice is Carlos Moyer is a whole dimension, all different dimension altogether, but the fact of a different voice, I think, is really significant in itself. So yeah, I think it's already a great appointment. I, I do see something something in Nadal's eye that I haven't seen for a little while and I, th- I think there's a bit more penetration on the ground strokes I think there's a bit more depth on the ground strokes I, I think he will be tested tomorrow I do I do still stand by that um, I was talking about it with Gigi Salmon your your colleague earlier and Gigi said it doesn't matter how much he's tested Zverev will be thinking about that missed volley at Indian Wells on match point um, I don't know about that actually I think I disagree I think Zverev has so much confidence and cockiness to burn. I'm not sure that match point will even occur to him. I mean, that guy is, in his mind, and to be fair, in the minds of most pundits, I think, a world number one in in waiting, but crucially, in his mind, he is. Yeah, that's pretty important, isn't it? Hey, it's all coming up tomorrow. We will be back with another edition of the Tennis Podcast brought to you in association with The Telegraph. Go and read Simon Briggs' articles. He'll have been writing all about Dan Evans. I got him in touch with Dan Evans' uncle today. So that'll be something you can read about in The Telegraph, I'm quite sure. You'll be able to read about Federer's uh, majestic performance as well. Eurosports coverage will be back tomorrow. Don't forget, there's a special offer, 19.99, for UK viewers to get hold of the Eurosport player. 12 months of access to see all the Grand Slams, all that sort of stuff, and loads of other tennis tournaments as well. So uh, do go and have a look at that if you're interested. Uh, we'll be back with coverage tomorrow. All the tennis, all going to be there. And we'll speak to you soon. <laughs>